What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode 472 of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not-so-classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I wish I could say that in Spanish, and I'll tell you why here in a second. My name is Derek M. Cook, your writer, host, producer, and I'd like to welcome you to Monster Kid Radio. We are in week three of Lucha de Mayo here on Monster Kid Radio. Every May, we set aside the episodes to talk about nothing but luchador genre films, and we're doing that again this week. Before I forget, though, I want to tell you that the song that you're hearing right now is called Super Evil In My Boots. It is from the band The Iberries. They are a surf band based out of Moscow. It's from their album Don't Blink, and you can find them over at iberries.bandcamp.com. I, as in, well, what I'm using to read this off my screen right now, berries.bandcamp.com. Of course, there will be a link in the show notes. This song actually was released, the entire album was actually released last Halloween, and I've been meaning to play it here on the show, and I thought, you know what? Now's the time. So special thanks to them for letting us play their music here on the show. So I mentioned a second ago, it's Lucha de Mayo. We talk about luchador monster movies, and that's what we're doing this week. We're talking about a movie called Blue Demon and the Infernal Brains. It's a doozy in a good way. I think you're going to like the conversation that I'm having with our friend, the man behind the famous Monsters of Filmland segment here on the show, Kenny. Kenny is our Blue Demon guy. So whenever we talk about a Blue Demon movie, he's the first guy I think of. And he's coming back this week to talk about this film with us. And of course, he's got another segment for his look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. So I'm really excited about that as well. Plus, we got a listener email. We're going to go over that here in a little bit too. But before we get into all of that, I want to address something that happened this past weekend. Friday night, around 9 o'clock or so, I'm chilling, kicking back with a book and a cat. Just kind of minding my own business, having a nice, chill evening before the weekend, before the big screening on Saturday. And my phone starts blowing up. I start getting direct messages on Facebook and Twitter. I start getting texts. And I don't know what it's all about. People are just saying congratulations or, this is my favorite, dude. No idea what's happening. So I start engaging with people and it turns out that Monster Kid Radio was awarded the Silver Bolo Award by Darcy the Mail Girl on Shudder's The Last Drive-In. The Last Drive-In is a horror host show. It's Joe Bob Briggs doing the horror hosting thing every Friday night live on Shudder, and then it's available for play afterwards. But he was doing a couple of shows that night, and in between the two movies, Darcy announced the award, and we got it. Uh, And I don't know how it happened. It wasn't something that I was even thinking about it was not on my radar at all i wasn't watching the last drive-in live so i had no idea what was happening and the way darcy presented it it sounded like some people suggested she check out monster kid radio you know kind of nominating the show i don't know who did that but if you're the person who did that thank you so much now i have watched the segment and yeah it's it's pretty darn cool um i haven't gotten the award in the mail yet but i have been in contact with darcy and she says she's gonna mail something off and when it does get here i will be doing a youtube video doing the unboxing and depending on when it gets here i might have a unique looking beard and i'll talk about that here in a second as well but yeah when it gets here we'll be doing an unboxing video you'll get to see the bolo the silver bolo award as well my understanding is that it's an actual guaranteed quote-unquote real silver bolo in that it gets spray painted with silver spray paint before they put it in the mail but there's also going to be a certificate and some other cool stuff as well and i just again i am very thankful still a little blown away like i said this is not something that i even considered as a possibility i didn't even know it was something that monster kid radio could be part of especially since the last drive-in seems to be a little bit geared more toward like modern or contemporary horror or at least like from the 80s onward 
And that's not necessarily what Monster Kid Radio is known for. So to receive this kind of an honor from an institution like The Last Drive-In means a lot. So thank you so much, again, to whoever nominated us or made Darcy aware of what we do, and to Darcy and to Joe Bob and to The Last Drive-In. It's pretty special. So thank you. I really appreciate it. If you are just now finding the show because of the mention on The Last Drive-In, welcome. I hope you enjoy your stay. Kind of a weird time to pop in since we're in the middle of doing luchador monster movies as opposed to the quote-unquote classic or not-so-classic, but I think you're still going to have a fun time. I mean, I have a fun time with these movies, and I know that my guests do, so I hope it translates and, and you have a good time and you come back for more Monster Kid Radio. So like I said, I mentioned something about my beard. Every weekend on Twitch, we do what we call the Social Distance Saturday screenings or streamings. Maybe there's a little bit of screaming uh, going on as well. It's about nine and a half, ten hours, maybe even more. I haven't really sat down to figure it all out, but it's at least nine and a half hours of monster movies and horror shows broadcast live for free on Twitch with a live chat. It starts around noon Pacific time. Now, there isn't a pre-show that happens around 11 o'clock, but the movies themselves kick in around noon. And like I said, we go to at least 9 o'clock that night. Because I'm based out here in Oregon, it is Pacific time. But, you know, anybody from around the world can join us. Head over to twitch.tv slash monsterkidradio. A few weeks back, I put out a challenge. We were talking about the movie White Zombie because we were watching the movie White Zombie, and everybody was commenting on Bela Lugosi's incredible beard in that film. He plays a character by the name of Murder Legendre. And, you know, just as kind of a lark, it kind of came up as a joke, I think. Can't remember how it exactly happened, but we talked about his beard and that I should have that beard. So I put out the challenge. We can get 32 subscribers to the Twitch stream because the movie was released in 1932. I would shape and shave my beard into that of Murder Legendre's, and we called that the Murder Beard Challenge. We did hit that goal. Now, I haven't done the shaping and shaving yet because I need to let the chin whiskers grow out just a little bit more so that I can actually pull that off. But that should be happening within a week or two. And yeah, you guys and gals will see that. Even if you don't participate in the Twitch stream, you'll get to see me rocking the murder beard. And uh, I can tell you that every family member that I've told about this, usually the first response is, it's a good thing you still have to wear a mask when you go out because of the Corona apocalypse. So we'll see how it turns out. I will put it on video, though. Like I said, it'll be on YouTube as well. Whether it's when I do the unboxing video with the Silver Bolo Award or just because you guys and gals will see the murder beard probably within the next week or two. Stay tuned for that. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit more about Social Business Saturday at the end of the show. Like we said, he got some feedback in the wings, and we've got a double dose of Kenny with his look at Famous Monsters of Filmland, and when he's starting me to talk about Blue Demon and the Infernal Brains, that's all happening right after this.
I'm so glad you could make it. Welcome to my little podcast here, Bill Watches Movies. I'm Bill Mize, I'm the host and creator, and I'll be helping you today. Now, we're a podcast that's a little different from the other ones out there. We start off with a rich and aromatic blend of B-movie weirdness. Then we fold in some Hollywood history and biography. And finally, at the end, we sprinkle just a bit of old-time radio ambiance for that finishing touch. Now, we think that that unique combination will bring you an audio experience that you'll want to enjoy again and again. Each month, we'll serve up a story that will entertain you and bring a smile to your face. I do hope that you'll subscribe and try an episode. They're a wee bit naughty, but won't go directly to your waistline. Now, to learn even more, you can always go to our website, BillWatchesMovies.com, for show notes, blog posts, resources, and just general dorkitude. Now, I'm also on Twitter. Just search for Bill Watches Movies. I'm pretty easy to find, and I would absolutely love to hear from you. Thanks again for checking us out. Relax, enjoy the music, and then enjoy the show. Nothing can destroy it. It's coming for you from space to wipe all living things from the face of the Earth. Beware of the creeping unknown. This woman is about to learn a terrible secret. She will never be the same again. Because this man knows that same secret, he will never speak again. Them has come terror in the form of the creeping unknown. Three men went into outer space. Only one of them came back. Came back a strange, distorted creature, haunted and possessed by something beyond human understanding. What was the terrible secret he could not tell them? There's a whole new world out there, a wilderness, uncharted. And he's been there and come back. He's got the map. Unlock his mind for me, Briscoe, and find it. I know you can do it. It isn't just a question I know the strain and tension you've been under, but to stop now when we're so close... Brian Donlevy, he dared an experiment that shocked a nation. You've destroyed him like you've destroyed everything else you've touched, Kent. There's no room for personal feelings in science, Judith. An experiment that created the creeping unknown. Corner around the entire area, evacuate all public, get information to check up every movement that's likely to take place inside this radius tonight. Yes, sir. Warn everyone not to touch anything unusual they may find in the streets. Thunderbird International Pictures presents The Death Curse of Tartu. A legend black with evil and red with the blood of innocent youth. 
photographed in the forbidding depths of the Florida Everglades, this is the incredible story of an archaeological excursion planned as an educational adventure and ending as a blood-spattered nightmare of incarnate hallucinations. Cold and slimy creatures without mercy hunt and kill, controlled by the soul of a rotting corpse. They danced over the grave of Tartu, who was restless in his coffin, and made passionate love on his burial mound until... They faced the terrible reality of the death curse of Tartu. Was it really a killer shark in the swamp waters, or was it Tartu, who had sworn vengeance on all who disturbed his grave? If we sit here and wait, it's only a matter of time until Tartu will destroy us all. Thrilled to the heart-stopping suspense of scenes that spare no detail of horror. See the bloody massacre of terrified youngsters as Tartu the Witch Doctor returns to wreak vengeance. See the death curse of Tartu coming soon to this theater. Hello there, Monster Kid Radioheads. This is Kenny with a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. week we are going to continue our issue-by-issue examination of films covered with article-length features and famous monsters. We are up to issue 22 from April of 1963. One film covered at length in this issue was the classic 1931 Dracula. Famous monsters had an old scrapbook from the Count himself, Bela Lugosi, and from that an article was put together of odds and ends including quotes from Bram Stoker's novel, reviews of the film, and facts about the production. 24 photos were included, many coming from Bela's personal collection. I found two items of particular interest. The first was a script from a radio presentation that Forey believed Bela wrote himself. It had been pasted in the scrapbook. I will not try a Lagose impersonation. Just imagine his voice saying these words. I read the book Dracula, written by Bram Stoker 18 years ago and I always dreamed to create and to play the part of Dracula. Finally, the opportunity came. Horace Liverite, stage producer of New York, acquired the stage rights of the novel, and he chose me for the part. I have played the role of Dracula about a thousand times on the stage, and people often ask me if I still retain my interest in the character. I do, intensely because many people regard the story of Dracula simply as a glorified superstition. The actor who plays the role is constantly engaged in the battle of wits with the audience, in a sense, since he is constantly striving to make the character so real that the audience will believe in it. Now that I have appeared in the screen version of the story, which Universal has just completed, I am of course not under this daily strain in the depiction of the character. My work in this direction was finished with the completion of the picture. But while it was being made, I was working more intensely to this end than I ever did on the stage. Although Dracula is a fanciful tale of a fictional character, it is actually a story which has many essential elements of truth. I was born and reared in almost the exact location of the story, and I came to know that what is looked upon merely as a superstition of ignorant people is really based on facts which are literally hair-raising in their strangeness, but which are true. Many people will leave the theater with a sniff at the fantastic character of the story, 
but many others who think just as deeply will gain an insight into one of the most remarkable facts of human existence. Dracula is a story which has always had a powerful effect on the emotions of an audience, and I think that the picture will be no less effective than the stage play. In fact, the motion picture should even prove more remarkable in this direction, since many things which could only be talked about on the stage are shown on the screen in all their uncanny detail. I am sure you will enjoy Dracula. I am sure you will be mightily affected by its strange story, and I hope that it will make you think about the weirdest, most remarkable condition that ever affected mankind. I thank you. Here's another quote from Bela talking about the differences between stage and screen. On the stage, the actor's success depends wholly on himself. He goes onto the stage and gives his performance in what to him seems the most effective manner. But in the studio, the responsibility is shifted to the director, who controls the actor's every move, every inflection, every expression. In playing in the picture, I found that there was a great deal that I had to unlearn. In the theater, I was playing not only to the spectators in the front rows, but also to those in the last row of the gallery. And there was some exaggeration in everything I did, not only in the tonal pitch of my voice, but in the changes of facial expression which accompanied various lines or situation. I took it big, as the saying is. But for the screen, in which the actor's distance from every member of the audience is equal only to his distance from the lens of the camera, I have found that a great deal of repression was an absolute necessity. Todd Browning has continually had to hold me down. In my other screen roles, I did not seem to have this difficulty. But I have played Dracula a thousand times on the stage, and in this one role I find that I have become thoroughly settled in this technique of the stage and not of the screen. But thanks to the director, Browning, I am unlearning fast. Derek and Justin McCumber covered Dracula in episode 258 of Monster Kid Radio. Look it up in the archives. That is all for this week's look at Famous Monsters. We will have more next time. Till then, this is Kenny for MKR saying adios. Dracula. Dracula. The very mention of the name brings to mind things so evil, so fantastic, so degrading. You wonder if it isn't all a dream, a nightmare. But no, this is no dream. This is Dracula, the original terrifying story of a maniac and a man who lived after death, lived on human blood took the form of a vampire bat and lured innocent girls to a fate truly worse than death. Dracula? Oh, what, what's he done to you, dear? Tell me. He came to me. He opened a thing in his arms and he made me drink. MKR soon, Dr. Tongue's vintage world of monster collectibles. We'll sell you the whole seat, but you're only gonna need the edge. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. You need to take out the trash. I don't have time for that now. We have two podcasts I have to create up new promo for. What? Both JLU cast and Supermates? 
Yes, JLU Cast, where you and I discussed the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited animated series from Bruce Timm and Company. And Supermates, our original show where we talk about all sorts of geeky stuff, including our annual House of Frankenstein series on classic horror films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. But how do we combine this into one promo? I have no idea, but it sounds like we're doing our original Supermates promo all over again. I kind of think we are, but hey, other folks kind of aped it, so it must have worked. Well, why don't you get to work taking out the trash, and I'll finish up. Great. So join us, Cindy. And Chris. On JLU Cast and Supermates, both proudly part of the Fire & Water Podcast Network, found at fireandwaterpodcast.com and on iTunes. We've reached the feedback section of the show, and we have an email that came in from Tom from the Go Forth Endgame podcast. I'll play the promo for his podcast later on in the show. Tom writes, greetings and salutations, Derek. I just finished listening to the Neutron episode with Jonathan Inbody. This is referring to last week's episode of Monster Kid Radio, where Jonathan Inbody and I talked about Neutron, the Atomic Superman versus the Death Robots. Tom continues, man, oh man, does that one sound fun. I was pretty interested in this when I saw it listed on Amazon Prime, but was a bit hesitant as I haven't seen a Neutron movie yet. But after listening to the fun you two had with it, I think I may give it a try. The triple brain thing, the vampire ape man dudes, the anti-Neutron all sound amazing. I'm enjoying Lucha de Mayo as always. It put me into a Lucha mood, so I searched Blue Demon on Roku and came across an incredibly interesting movie, Zovek and Blue Demon in the Invasion of the Dead. Very important here, listeners. Tom writes this next sentence in all caps. Wowzers. Okay. Anyway, if you thought this Neutron flick was crazy, you ain't seen nothing yet. I'd never heard of him, but thought it's a Blue Demon movie, so it can't be bad. And it wasn't bad. Disjointed, wacky, extremely confusing, surprising are just a few of the descriptors for this movie. Zovek is a big Hoot. He's very interesting in his gold jumpsuit and mind powers, but no luchador mask. He takes up about 90% of the show, with Blue Demon scenes popping in and out weirdly. I wondered about this, so I researched the movie a bit and found out the reason. I won't mention it here because it may spoil some of the novelty of the movie, but it made sense, and now, Tom, you're killing me. I want to know. Anyway, the wisp of a plot involves a fireball from the sky, a pretty good effect, that somehow kills some cops. Zovek happens upon them. Then it jumps to a rancher, Finding some drawings on a cliff, he contacts some archaeologists who are in the same ruins nearby. They agree that they need Zovek, an expert in ancient petroglyphs, as well as the ways of the luchador. He's called in to investigate these ancient cliff drawings that look like they are not of the local tribes. We get our introduction to Zovek the Incredible. We catch a show at a nightclub. The scientists and Zovek go to the cliffs. Zovek explains that the drawings portend calamity for the world, and he must stop it. We don't know what the calamity may be, or when, or why, or anything, but it's going to happen, and Zovek... He's got to stop it. The plot, as it is, continues with lots of recently dead villagers coming back to life and killing anybody they encounter. There's lots of Zovek and the scientist's daughter running away. A lot. Zovek does eventually defeat the invasion, such as it was. Oh, and there's some blue demon in there occasionally, but no team up, sadly. And no wrestling, though. We get some fair to middling fights. The film was full of... Wait, what? Moments? But it was a blast. 
He wraps up his email by saying, Social Distance Saturday, I missed a lot of this past week's due to internet issues, but did get to revisit the eye creatures. That one's fun. Thanks for showing it. Said that I missed the giant spider as it's one of my favorite mems. I'm looking forward to next Saturday. Keep up the great fun. Your fiend, Tom G. Tom, okay, uh, we'll talk about Social Distance Saturday here in a second. Zovic and the Blue Demon in the Invasion of the Dead was actually something that was been on my radar for a very, very long time. In fact, it was something that I considered covering when I was still doing my zombie podcast because I thought, hey, it might have zombies on it. Why not? And I was getting into the luchador thing even back then. And that was, man, at least seven, eight years ago at this point. So it's been on my radar. I've just never sat down to watch it, but it sounds kind of wonky. And it does sound a little bit like the movie that we're talking about this week with Kenny with Blue Demon. Spoiler alert, there are some similar issues as they are. And for all I know, I'm even mispronouncing the guy's name. Zovek. Who knows? I, I haven't seen the movie yet. I need to, though, and it sounds like I need to bump it up further on my list. Thank you for writing in and giving us that breakdown. It, it really, man, man. Anyway, Social Distance Saturday. Missed you last weekend. I know you were in there for a little bit. Attack of the Eye Creatures. Just kind of a fun Larry Buchanan film. And, you know... It's hard to be completely disappointed with a Larry Buchanan movie. Yeah, what I've been showing are the remakes that he did for television based on more successful and, dare I say, better films from the 50s, but they're still a lot of fun. And there is just something about the design of the eye creatures in that film that really kind of struck a chord with me. I'd love to have action figures of those guys. Be kind of neat to kind of have them all over my desk. You know, for Wednesday to knock over when she decides she wants to get up on my keyboard, which she's been doing more and more lately, especially during Social Distance Saturday. We did show the giant spider last weekend. It's one of my absolute favorites. But the Mim movie that we're showing this upcoming weekend is the favorite of a lot of you guys and gals. We're going to be showing Danny Johnson Saves the World, which is technically a Christmas movie. But you know what? You guys and gals want it. We're going to show it. So that's going to be coming up. Stay tuned. Come back this weekend for that. And I'm hoping that no later than Friday afternoon, I'll have a schedule posted for Social Distance Saturday so you guys and gals know what movies are playing when. So if you want to stop by for Danny Johnson Saves the World or any of the other movies we're going to be showing, like Terror Creatures from the Grave or Destination Inner Space, you know when to pop in and join us. Of course, there's that live chat too, which is oftentimes even more fun than just watching the movies. The schedule will be posted in the Facebook event page, and I'll make sure there's a link to that in the show notes. Tom G and I are talking about getting him on the show to talk about a movie in the near future. We're kind of working out our schedule now. I'm trying to get as many recordings in as I can, so I have them ready to roll out as soon as Lucha de Mayo is over. I mean, over on the calendar. Lucha de Mayo lives always and forever in my heart. Tom. Thanks for writing in. If you want to be cool like Tom and send us an email, you can do that by emailing me at monsterkidradio at gmail.com. Or if you want to call and leave us a voicemail, you can do that too by calling us at 503-479-5657. That's 503-479-5MKR. Thanks again, Tom. And I can't wait to sit down and record with you about, well, no spoilers. <laughs> Here he is. Watch out, for here is a superhuman with the strength of a hundred men.
nothing seems able to stop him. Invincible, invulnerable. Argo Man, the fantastic Superman. But even he had his Achilles heel, a beautiful woman's kiss. Kill each other, kill each other. Argo Man, the fantastic Superman. Kill each other. A man gifted with such extraordinary powers that ordinary men were helpless to cope with him. Everyone and everything was pitted against him, from hired killers to the most diabolical inventions of modern science. The world's most beautiful women vied for his favors, or the chance to kill him. each other. Argo Man, the fantastic Superman. which will take you on a journey out of time, carry you on a crest of thrills and laughter from start to finish. Be sure to see this Superman power. Don't miss it. Evening, Monster Kids. This is the Count. I'm here with some friends to tell you about our favorite board and card game podcast. It's Go Forth and Game. Tom and Ryan talk about all things gaming with special emphasis on interviews with game designers and publishers. What do you think about this, my tall, gaunt friend? Go Forth, Game. Good. And what about you, my undead comrade? I think Go Forth and Game is the most entertaining podcast about board and card games that I've come across in 4,522 years. So, if you enjoy listening to two monster kids discuss topics like abstract games, the best family games, game schooling, various game mechanics, and of course, monster-themed games. Then you should give Go Forth and Game a try. That's GoForthAndGame.com, available on iTunes and Spotify.
So I've given Count Dracula the month off during Lucha de Mayo. He's not here right now, so I'm going to tell you ahead of time that Kenny and I are going to talk about Blue Demon and the Infernal Brains in depth. We don't typically do a beat-by-beat plot synopsis of these movies here on Monster Kid Radio, because really, what fun is that? But we do do that during Lucha de Mayo, especially with a movie that you might not have easy access to. And Kenny and I do do that this time around. We talk about what's happening in the story, plot points, beat-by-beat breakdown, and uh, in doing so, massive spoilers. I can't do it the way Count Dracula does, but I just wanted to give you that little bit of warning. Here we go. Listeners, you hear them every week or so, well, pretty much every week on Monster Kid Radio. It's been pretty nonstop. I'm going to start that whole thing over. <laughs> That's right. I haven't missed a week, I don't think. That's right. <laughs> Maybe once. Okay. I, I I don't know if I'll keep that or not. It's Kenny. How are you doing, man? Good. How are you doing? Oh, man. We've been chatting for almost an hour now, just kind of catching up and touching base, even though I hear you every week on the show doing the Famous Monsters segment, which I adore. I love that segment, and I've had a lot of people tell me they like it as well. So it's good to actually have some back and forth instead of just hearing you tell me about famous monsters. We can actually engage. It's been a lot of fun, especially during this time. Yeah, right. We've been talking so much, now my throat's all dry. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Maybe if you talk about as much as Blue Demon did in this particular film, you'll be okay. Get right into the movie. I have a feeling this was a sign that they thought, this guy is a great wrestler, but he can't really act. So let's bring in an actor and have two stars. So the title of the film, I can't roll my R's. I don't, I can't. So can you give me the title of the film? Yes. It's Blue Demon Contra Los Cerebros Infernales. The Hellish Brains. Uh, Last year, we looked at the Hellish Spiders. Now we're looking at some Hellish Brains. It's it's an interesting little flick, man. (laughs) Yeah. And the reason I've been choosing these Blue Demon films is this year and last year, when I met Blue Demon Jr. in 2014, and I asked him, what is the best movie your dad did? And he gave me mm-hmm. one of the Blue Demon and Santo films, and it was the particular one they were showing at Monster Bash. So I watched it that same time, and I thought Blue Demon's role wasn't very good in it. He was basically turned into a zombie and was didn't really have a lot to say in the movie and was not in the movie that much. So I was like, why with all these solo movies he did, why did blue demon jr. Say this pair up movie was his best. I really want to see these solo movies and figure out if they are really not as good as this pair up movie. And um, you know what? I'm starting to realize that maybe he's right. (laughs) But but I mean, in my first viewing of this film, I was kind of like, that was weird. That was wacky. But watching it again, getting ready for this talk with you, just like Santo versus the Martian Invasion, this movie is really growing on me. I'm starting to fall in love with it. And now you know what being in quarantine does to a person. 
So I, I was watching this film. Uh, I actually watched it last night. I, I was working on this week's episode of Monster Kid Radio. Took a break to put this in. Had some popcorn. Had some Diet Mountain Dew. And then just kind of kicked back and watched his film. And I was surprised. Because uh, <laughs> I remember Hellish Spiders being a little bit more cohesive. This one okay. does seem to be a little bit more... Well, you said stream of consciousness uh, when you were talking about the notes that you took. I feel like this film has a lot of that going for it. Like, just kind of things just kind of happen. And yeah. I had a hard time following some of it, but by the time it was over, I knew I had a good time. And I'll watch it again. I'm telling you, Derek, watch it again because really, it's one of those movies where, and this is like the new Star Wars movies for me. The first time I watched it, I was like, what just happened? And, you know, there's so much going on. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but I watched it a second time. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I get it, I get it. That kind of happened to me while watching this one again. It doesn't make it any better, any less cheesy than it is, but it does make more sense. And it is, like we always say a billion times during these things, it's a fun movie. I'm going to call it wild and crazy. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's different from the other movies that I've seen, the wrestling movies. This is really the first one, though. I think instead of going after the monster movie edge, it's going more for a Euro spy, you know, a James Bond. We're seeing Blue Demon as a James Bond type rather than a monster hunter. And that's one of the things that I really liked about it because, you know, I talk about it probably more than I should on the show, but I love me a good Euro spy film, right? Mm -hmm. I love that style of storytelling and, and spy hero type. And there's a lot of that in this. And you just happen to have a luchador running around too. And it worked so well. At the same time, you have enough science fiction, and I mean fiction, to put it into a, a monster kid wheelhouse as uh -huh. well. You know, so yeah. what's better than that? A science fiction James Bond type film made for $50, but it was fun. I was wondering about the budget. Yeah. It, <laughs> it seems like they reuse the same set for multiple locations. They just maybe put a different light or a background, you know, piece of paper in the background or something to, to make it look different, but it's basically the same set over and over again. Sometimes. Yes. Yes. But, you know, that's, that's part of the charm though, too, you know, mm -hmm. I really liked like the opening of it, the music, is oft repeated but really lively, peppy. Got that '60s spy feel to it. Some of my favorite music that I've heard in a Luchador film. I really liked it. It makes me sad that some of this music isn't available on CD or for download or something because some of the music in this stuff, this film in particular, I adored it. I thought it was mm -hmm. a lot of fun. Now there's one scene where there was like an actual band, and I was debating. And was wondering with you, if you remember it enough, would that be considered surf music? Kind of, sort of, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Kind of, sort of. And what was the name of the band? Is it? It was called El Clan? The Clan, yeah. With a K. <laughs> so, so that's a little, hmm. Yeah, it was kind of uh, dicey there, but uh, they don't have that problem here in Mexico. So I guess it's okay with them, but... Um, yeah, I think if they would have a name, a band named the Clan here in the United States, they would not be uh, looked upon very highly. The music definitely had a cool vibe, though, and it, and it fit the film and it kind of lent itself to this Euro spy kind of feel, this spy action film that we're about to have, this, this spy fi, I suppose you could call it. Mm -hmm. And 
I, I have to tell you, and we'll get back to the movie itself here in a sec. It's funny because yesterday I recorded an episode of Monster Kid Radio that people will hear in June with Todd Brown from the Haunted Cinema. Here's a little, you know, coming attractions. And the movie that he and I talked about was the movie Colossus of New York. Are you familiar with that film? Oh, yeah. That's a, I like that movie a lot. That's a very good movie. That movie has to do with taking a brain and keeping the you know, the intelligence in a brain after the person has died. So to have watched that and then watched this immediately afterwards. Hey, you've got a theme, man. <laughs> I know, right? Totally accidental, but it worked. It was uh -huh. like a weird little double feature, man. There you go. <laughs> right on. The brain transfer stuff in this film is a little more gruesome than what we see in The Colossus of New York. I wanted to ask you about that, um, and, and we'll get into that, I'm sure. I do want to talk a little bit about the setup of the film, though, and just to kind of give listeners an idea as to what happens in this one, because this one isn't as easy to see as some of the Santo films, I feel like. You and I, I think, have it from one. Is that right? That is correct. It was a transfer that came off of television, and it's rare to see a Santa or a Blue Demon movie on Mexican TV anymore. There's a couple cable stations that might be showing them on every once in a while. But uh, these aren't easy to find. And in Mexico, you ask for this kind of stuff, and people often will laugh at you because it's out of vogue right now. <laughs> it's an interesting going away from the monsters and heading into a, a spy, which is 1968 when, when, when this was released. Of course, that was the big thing. It was, mm -hmm. uh, so I got this little thing on my notes, which is basically a review of the first scene, which we have two gentlemen just talking, but they kind of give the plot of the movie. So we have a mad scientist, Dr. Sanders, is removing the brains of famous scientists to take advantage of their knowledge. They are looking for financial support from a third party from the East. So we don't really know who this country is from the East. They'd say the Orient, so somewhere from the East, who needs approval from one of their scientists, Dr. Catter. Plans are being made to bring Dr. Catter to the lab, but careful. There's a masked wrestler who's been snooping around. And from that little conversation, we go right into the movie. And the first thing we have is basically a two-minute commercial for Braniff Airlines. <laughs> I timed it out, and my goodness, talk about product placement. If you like airplanes, you like airports, you get a good view uh, in this movie. <laughs> I thought that kind of ground everything to a halt when that happened. It's like, wait, we're at the airport, and we're still at the airport. Hey, there's nuns coming off that plane. Hey, look at that person <laughs> over there. Hey, what's going over there? And then yeah. you just see Blue Demon out in the background watching everything with some binoculars. And I'm thinking, you know, that would not fly today. Yeah. That would not. <laughs> I don't think they'd leave him alone if that happened. So, yeah, so we have, a, we have an interesting thing happens next. They pick up the doctor. And then these guys, the bodyguards are following them. And then we meet the two other main Heroes, Lieutenant Reyes and Martha, and they're mm -hmm. following the bodyguards, and Blue Demon comes down from his perch, and he starts following <laughs> them. I got was kind of interested in the cars we were seeing. I don't know if you like cars at all, but there was like two really nice oh, cool. mid-60s Mustangs that yeah. one of the uh, bad guys was using. 
I think maybe the spies were using that. And then here comes Blue Demon in his Plymouth Barracuda. Yeah. Kind of a strange looking car. <laughs> a little bit of futuristic there, but I don't think that's a popular one in the car shows today because it was kind of odd looking. But I had to look it up. It was like, what is that? I've never seen a car like that. And I had just been to a big giant car show they have here in Yuma, Arizona. And I never saw this car. I saw those Mustangs, and there was tons of them. It's like, you should have chose the Mustang. Those are cool cars today. <laughs> but the Plymouth Barracuda, don't remember seeing that in a long time. We also meet the Femme Fatale, who's Katia. And I thought this line was interesting, and it's kind of what we hear through the whole movie. Dr. Catter, he's kind of got the hots for Katia. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, when a girl is this beautiful, she is sure to do better than a man, just like Mata Hari. So that's my translation. <laughs> and, he, and he's kind of like that the whole movie. So yeah. he's kind of there to check out this brain transplant and everything. But it seems to be more interested and hooking up with Miss Katia, who's the femme fatale, is the película, this movie today. <laughs> now, another thing is the typical, our super spies, Lieutenant Reyes and Martha, they put on a little homing device on the bad guy's car. Mm -hmm. And I guess they I don't know where they got that magnet from, but uh, it just fell off the car. Yeah, it doesn't last. <laughs> Lieutenant Reyes is like, hey, Martha, why don't I just take you home because, you know... We lost them. You know? It's very kind of nonchalant, like, oh, well, okay, let's just go home now. It's like, it's you, like why did they need to show this? Why are they making them look so goofy? Right. <laughs> they're, they're not being shown as being very effective spies or whatever it is, whatever the company or the organization is they work for. These two actors, I recognize instantly. Man, his name is uh, David Reynoso. He was uh, born in 1926, so he was 42 in this film. And he passed away in 1994, but he had hundreds, hundreds of TV and film appearances, often the leading man. He was a pretty big star in Mexico. And I asked my wife, you know David Reynoso? Oh, yeah, he's a big TV star. That She's kind of my gauge. If she knows who it is, it's a big star. Wow, okay. <laughs> and then Martha was played by another big star, Anna Martin. She was born in 1946, so she was 22 in this film. So she, this is one of her early roles. And she's still acting, and she has been in probably a telenovela, the famous Mexican soap opera. She's probably been in a different one every year oh, wow. since she started acting in the 60s. So both David Reynoso and Martha play in another Blue Demon film. I don't know if they were the same characters or not. I've not seen that one yet, but they were also in another Blue Demon film. Los Diabolikis? I don't know. Yes. Diabolikis. Thank you. <laughs> I really need to learn some Spanish, man. Just if I'm going to keep doing this thing in May, I need to learn a little bit. Yeah, you got to get that Mayo down, man, not Mayo. Oh, man, <laughs> you guys, and you know. Mayo, Mayo. Mayo, Mayo. <laughs> Mayo is white like me. Mayo is, okay, got it. <laughs> <laughs> so we get this little car chase going on, and we get to our first action. And we learned something about Blue Demon in this movie. He's actually a superhero. You know what I'm talking about? Do you remember? <laughs> For some reason, he teleports into four different places in the same location. 
boom, 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 boom. And it just happens. Four you different know, poses. It just happens. It is no, there's no like fanfare. There's no poof of smoke. It just fade out, fade in, boom. Well, he must be a superhero. And I'm thinking of the X-Men. There's one of the X-Men that does that. You know, he's trans- transports from one place to another. Yeah, it just kind of bounces. So it's like, and, yeah. Wow. And I, now, the first time I watched this film, I thought that happens and nothing like that happens again. But later on, we'll talk about where, yeah, this is some kind of superpower he must have. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But it was I thought it was cheesy, corny, but it made me laugh. It made yeah. me happy to see that. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> it, it took me out for a second. Like, what, what did I just see? Did I just see that? right? Because at first I'm watching it and I thought, well, that's just like a bad edit. Maybe this copy of the movie that I have, it is kind of a bootleg. So maybe it just got chopped. No, that's what happened. So, okay. Yeah. I'm on board now. Okay. So we got that little bit of science fiction going, a little bit of superpowers going, a little bit of fantasy going. So yeah, this is a monster kid movie, even though it's a spy movie. Right? Oh yeah. We get Blue Demon's first line. And I was kind of marking these down because the first time I watched it, it's like, you know, this is not really that much of a Blue Demon movie, but we do get a little bit of a bigger conversation later on. But we get his first line. One of the uh, bad guys has this weird pistol in his hand, like a little finger pistol. And Blue Demon tells him, you won't do anything to me with your little pistol. <laughs> and of course, he beats their butts and uh, <laughs> we get our first action scene out of the way. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, fight scenes outside of the wrestling ring in this one, which I was happy to see. I love seeing the luchador matches. I love that. But to see it happen outside of the ring too, is always fun. Yep. And there's a, we'll get into that. Some couple of really good action scenes going. Yeah. And from after that, we go into the labs and I'm not going to go too much detail in here. We've got a lot of techno babble. Uh, <laughs> if you're reading the subtitles and you're said, that doesn't make any sense. They're translated correctly. They're very well done, the subtitles of the copy that we're using. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of nonsense being spoken by these different scientists. And we uh, see a lot of the uh, famous Strick Baden, a uh, little electronic thing, you know, going through the movie. And they have that everywhere, and uh, they get awfully close to the thing, so <laughs> they're a little bit dangerous with that. There was something in the lab that I wanted to comment on real quick. One of the machines, so our, our femme fatale, our lead villain, villainess, is standing next to a machine and they ask her what it is or, you know, tell us what that is. It is the codifier of the intelligence of a human voice. What does that even mean? <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> and you know what? We don't need to know because it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, I was watching the movie and I I wanted to make sure that I remembered that particular phrase, but I didn't have a pen or pencil next to me or a pad. So I just pulled out my phone and texted it to my wife just so I would have it somewhere. And she sent me a message back like, what? I'm like, no, 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 just something I need to remember. No worries. No worries. (laughs) And she's calling the CDC. I think there's something wrong with my husband. Can you come check him out? So... The next thing we meet some of our other some other henchmen, our introduction to the control personnel, which uh, Dr. Cater thinks there must be zombies the way they're described. But the main doctor says, nope, they're like more like robots. Just a couple of henchmen, a couple of pretty girls, and um, they come in, they're introduced. We get to see them walking, climbing up the stairs, and we get to see them standing. <laughs> and then we cut to the super spy lab, which... 
looks and sounds a lot like the bad guy's lab. Exactly. That's what I was trying to get at earlier. Yeah, it just seems so like it's the same set. They just put up a few different pieces of colored paper or cardboard in the background and said, okay, we're good. Same sound effects. Mm -hmm. And the sound effects, very similar to the spaceship in Santo versus the Martian invasion. Oh, yeah, you're right. Well aware of if you listen to that. Some of the sound effects you hear are actually the transporter effects used in that movie. Then we go back to the science lab, the mad science lab. We get some more technobabble. They even get in some uh, philosophy, talking about nexalism and totalism. <laughs> what is that? Uh, I don't think they knew. <laughs> I looked them up. Nexalism does not exist. Naxalism, with an A, is a communist party from India. So I don't think they were talking about them. Totalism is like totalitarianism. I guess it's an easier way to say that word, which I just butchered. But um, <laughs> again, nonsense. But you don't really need to know. It doesn't matter. It's, it's technobabble, like you said. Yeah. We return to the spy lab. And we get Blue Demon's third line. I didn't think this was possible. What are we going to do? And we go back to the mad scientist lab. And we're getting ready for the operation with more techno babble. So we're going to be seeing some stuff, all that talk, all that techno babble, all that mad scientist lab. We're starting to get into the meat of this movie. Okay, so here we kind of set it up. We know there's something going on. The spies are after the bad guys. Blue Demon's aware of what's going on a little bit here. But of course, we got to take some time out and get to the ring and let's start the wrestling. Yahoo! That's right. That's right. Now, you wrote down who who was facing uh, the caveman. Yes. Uh, Cavenario Galindo, which means the caveman, Galindo. Never heard of him. He was born in 1923. He started wrestling in 1938. So he was 42 when this film was made. He passed away in 1999. This wrestler, he was actually in a car accident when he was a child, and that left his face scarred. And the promoter said, hey, this guy, he's got a good, ugly scar. He looks kind of like a good Rudo bad guy. And so they were the ones who made him Caveman Galindo. You don't really get a sense of that scarring in this movie. They don't really show a lot of close-ups of him. But um, some pretty good wrestling, I thought, in this section here. Um, Pretty standard. The interesting thing about this that I have not seen, I don't know, again, I've not seen every single... Mexican wrestling movie, but uh, the ones that I remember seeing is they actually had like the play-by-play commentator throughout the entire match. You could close your eyes and it'd be like listening to it on the radio. He's giving a pretty complete description of what's happening. (laughs) So I thought that was interesting, different. We get to the first fall, of course, at the wrestling ring, they're having a break. So we're going to get a break too and head back to the mad scientist lab. And we're going to start seeing one of these famous brain transplants. And what do they use? Before you tell me what they use, can I share with the listeners what you wrote here in the notes that you shared with me? Okay. Between falls, we will see a brain transplant. Boom. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Okay. (laughs) So... First thing we learn, our brain waves can light Christmas lights. One of the interesting parts of the sets, like a little window there, and it looks like someone just loosely hung some Christmas lights. Yeah, no rhyme or reason to it. And they say, look, the brain waves. And boop, 
Christmas lights go off and on. Didn't know you knew that. This is clearly where Stranger Things got that idea, right? (laughs) Exactly. And then (laughs) they start working on the brain. What are they using? A chisel. A chisel with a little hammer. Of course. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) I've never seen a brain transplant, so who knows? Maybe that's the way they do it. Of course, they didn't. They didn't. They didn't cut down the skull. I mean, they're starting right there with the skin and everything. So, very interesting. So, fall two, we go back to the <laughs> ring. We get some more wrestling, and the transplant continues. <laughs> and then we see a close-up of one of our henchmen, the mute hunchback. Now, I sent you a picture of him, and you just saw the movie. Derek, tell me, who does this guy look like? So when you sent me the picture of him, I and you asked, you know, who does this look like? I I didn't really know. It's like, well, okay, it's a smaller image. I don't know if I can pre- But yeah, no, he looks a lot like Vincent Price when you see the movie. <laughs> oh, Vincent yeah. Price is slumming it in a in a Mexican movie. <laughs> hey, if it worked for John Carradine, right? <laughs> <It's>, yeah. <laughs> Boris Karloff did it. Yeah. John Carradine yeah. did it. Cheney. You Why know? not Vincent Price? Lon Cheney did it. Vincent Price, too. This guy looks just like Vincent Price. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but of course, they didn't have him talk, so he didn't give himself away. He probably made a nice paycheck. He's not, it's not on his IMDb, but he's there. There you go. And I doubt it, but hey. Yeah, well, you know. This whole sequence, <laughs> the, the wrestling and the brain transplant back and forth, back and forth, I would think that for people who don't really know a lot about how lucha wrestling really goes or at least did go they might get a little bored with this but really those matches lasted a long time it was two out of three falls and they would just go for a long 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 time so i could totally see them being able to perform an entire brain transplant surgery in the course of one match (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, when you think about it and that's kind of like they're kind of showing you that hey these guys these doctors are good because in the time it takes to do a typical wrestling match, they will transplant a brain. So, yes. yeah, these, these, these doctors are top-notch. Top and we do get some pretty gory brain shots. So, yeah, they went down to the market, probably got some pig or sheep's brains. So uh, maybe not by the actual filmmakers, but an animal was harmed in the making of this movie. <clears throat> yeah, I'm guessing, yeah. It, they were real animal brains, I'm pretty sure. When I, And I didn't expect that. When I was watching this and that happened, I was like, wait a minute. Is that? No. Yeah, and No, yeah, yeah it probably it, is. Uh, yeah, most of these movies, they seem to be made for kids, but this, these brain shots are a little bit pretty intense. Cheesy as can be, but uh, they are real brains, I would imagine. And then we have another pretty violent moment we'll talk about later that uh, it, it would probably shock kids, you know, younger kids, some mm-hmm. of the stuff that happens. So we return back to the match, and of course, Blue Demon wins with a submission hold. And Caveman Galindo, he has a temper tantrum and runs out of the ring upset. Was the submission hold the octopus stretch? Is that what he did there? Because that that was one of his moves, wasn't it? You got me on that one. Okay. I'd have to go back and double check. (laughs) You you probably know more about that than I do. But yeah, it it looked painful. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then uh, we go back to Vincent, we get a good, <laughs> another good shot of Vincent Price, and he's overlooking the brain transplant. Okay, so here's what, here's what happened. They took his brain out uh-huh. and replaced it with nothing, mm-hmm. okay? They sewed him up so good, no one can tell. 
And now what the plan is that they've programmed him to drink himself to death so no one will suspect foul play. What a brilliant plan. And this movie's for kids? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wow. And then we have a little interlude. We've had our wrestling. We've had our brain transplant. Now it's time for some girls. Because you got to have that. We have a strange celebration with Dr. Catter. You know, he's talking about how he has the hots for Miss Cadia, but he has to settle for a go-go dancer. And he's not really happy that it ain't, because it ain't Cadia. <laughs> but we do have some groovy jazz music in a good two minutes. I don't know whose wife that was or whose uh, girlfriend that was, but she got some good screen time to show off <laughs> her dancing skills. Sure. Uh, ladies in the audience, when you get to that scene, feel free to go get some popcorn. It lasts for a good two and a half lasts, minutes. It lasts. It's uncomfortably long, and made even the more uncomfortable <laughs> when uh, Reynoso and uh, Anna Martin is there watching, and Anna Martin just keeps casting these daggers with her eyes at her boss as he's watching the women. <laughs> just, it's so uncomfortable. It's like, man. <laughs> And it's kind of like you don't want to be watching this with your girlfriend or wife unless it during this time you go and get <laughs> your popcorn so they aren't watching you watch this girl do her dance. And um, we go to another scene, which is what you're talking about. We saw this little girl doing her solo dance, and then we go to a big dance scene with the clan, and they're playing some type of uh, little rock, a little bit surf, a little bit jazz, a little bit Mexican Latin rhythm going mm-hmm. on there. Interesting shots. I thought it was interesting the way they blew smoke through the trumpet there. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. And Juan and Martha are there. And like you said, uh, Martha's not happy with Juan's ogling of the girls. And I, I like how the camera shows us what he's looking at, his point of view. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of close-ups of uh, shaking booties going on there yep and again this makes it made me think i thought this was a blue demon movie because after the wrestling it's been a while here yeah for me the blue <laughs> demon film there, there there are long stretches without him and that yeah. seemed to be kind of a gamble you know this is you're marketing it as a blue demon film was he just not available was he recovering from an injury somewhere i don't you know just come on where is he <laughs> yeah we learned later. Of course, we saw earlier. He'll disappear whenever he needs to. Sure, sure. Why not? <laughs> Magically. <laughs> <laughs> so the clan is on the break. And what do we get for the uh, bar we're in, this nightclub we're in? Oh, some bar pianist starts playing. So we have an interesting change in music. And then we see some spy intrigue happening here. So let's skip over some of this. <laughs> oh, there's an interesting scene here. We see Juan, or the uh, uh, Lieutenant Reyes, he's doing some judo, so they're showing that he can do a little bit of, you know, he's not just a cute guy, he's a talker, and uh, he's also an action man, just like Blue Demon. And then we cut to Blue Demon, and he's investigating the morgue, where this guy, this scientist who supposedly drank himself to death, who doesn't really have his real brain anymore, is stored. And then... Lieutenant Ray is and Martha come in and Blue Demon hides. That seemed odd to me. Why is he hiding? That was a strange thing. Why? Is he, they're friends. They were together in the, in the good scientist lab. 
why is he hiding from them? I, it was yeah, weird. I didn't understand that. I think that was a, I think that was a, a plot hole, a problem with the script or editing or something. It was strange. We see a kidnapping of another doctor. We're back in the spy lab. And of course, we learned in the last year, Blue Demon is very much talented. And what is Blue Demon doing here in the spy lab? They couldn't just have him standing there holding his arms. He's pouring some chemicals back and forth. Oh, very good. He's a chemist. It as well. was so weird, man. He's just in the background sifting this stuff back and forth. No explanation, no reason. He's just playing with a couple of I don't get it, but it was delightful to watch. <laughs> He's a chemist. Okay. He's an auto mechanic. He's a chemist. He's a philosopher. <laughs> he could do it all. And then they get some news and he runs towards the wall. He disappears. Blue Demon is a superhero. <laughs> that beginning transportation that we saw is not just a fluke. He can fly off and disappear and transport himself anywhere he wants to go. He is an X-Man. <laughs> he is an X-Man. All right. So we go to the mad scientist lab. And their decision there is the next doctor will die of a heart attack. And we're going to get that Blue Demon. <laughs> now, again... The strangeness of these films. Lieutenant Reyes and Martha are getting deep into this plot. Blue Demon ran off. We don't even know where he went. What's the next scene we go to? They're back at the nightclub, and we're listening to the clan play again. Why not? And then we have some uh, action with Katia, the femme fatale. We get some more brain transplants. In this particular brain transplant scene, we see exactly how they are able to sew the guy up without a scar. They use a soldering iron. Why not? Just like I used to use when I was uh, doing some electronic work. <laughs> oh, <laughs> very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, they spent all their money on the uh, the leftover cow brains, the butcher market. So they had to do something. <laughs> you know, like, ah, just grab that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man! So when so Juan starts dancing with the devil, he's getting hooked, messing up around with uh, Cadia. Martha's getting uh, jealous. She tries to find out what's going on. The girls, Cadia and henchwomen, meet in the bathroom where Martha has placed a listening device. Of course, that's the most logical place a woman would go to mm -hmm. talk with her friends. Yep. So Martha thought, I'll put a listening device right here on top of the mirror. because I'm sure I'll be able to catch Katia talking with her henchwomen. They discover their listening device and leave a little gas bomb for Lieutenant Reyes and Martha. <laughs> of course. <laughs> it, it's this sequence at the nightclub that I was referring to earlier uh, with, with her just sh shooting these daggers at uh, at one this whole time as he's watching the woman. That's where I was referring to that. I kind of messed that up earlier. Um, man, it's such an uncomfortable scene, dude. Mm -hmm. like, can you not stare at her butt while she's sitting? I mean, this is an HR violation, if nothing else. You know, come on. Yes. <laughs> anyway, we jump to another scene, and this is. This is one of the highlights, if not the highlight of the film for me. Okay. The bad guys have gone, and they're out. It's daylight. They're out by a big, giant radio or TV tower. 
They dump a body out. The bystander comes by and asks them what's going on. And they beat him up. And then from out of nowhere, Blue Demon arrives. And we have an out-of-ring action scene. And he beats up one of the henchmen. And they start climbing the tower. Now, this scene is very interesting. I was very impressed. Yes. First of all, they basically did it in two shots, but the at first it's just one long shot. You see the henchman going up. Right behind them is Blue Demon. Now, of course, the typical that you see in this movie, I've seen this in a lot of noir movies. Uh, I think of the Hideous Sun Demon, hmm. where they go to those, those big tanks mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. And yeah. It's like, why are they there? Why are they going to the top? What do they think is going to happen? <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Why is the henchman going up the tower? Why is, uh, you know, why is Blue Demon following him? Because like Blue Demon could just stay at the stairs and say, "Hey, police, come and pick up this guy. I've got him trapped here." Yeah, he's got to come down sometime. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, you know, him up the tower. The guy's kicking him. You know, so there's it's not just climbing. And I'm going to guarantee you that it was actually Blue Demon doing this. You'd say, "Well, can you ask Blue Demon Junior? Maybe he knows if it was stuntman or not." I'm going to say he would probably say if it was or wasn't. Oh, yeah, that was my dad doing that. Yeah. And I believe it was because that's the way they were. They, they risked their lives in the ring. He would not have a step man doing this. I would but think it so. But it looked pretty dangerous. Mm-hmm. And they're going up because it's one shot and we see them get to the top. And they start fighting on the top. They cut to a, they, I would call it like a three-quarter like. The, the first shot's like an extreme long shot. We see the whole tower, the whole ladder, the whole yeah. uh, top of the where the gantry is. You get to the top, we get a little bit closer, still a long shot, but it's closer. And they're fighting on this gantry. And then Blue Demon pops a guy and he begins to fall over. They cut to that extreme long shot again and the guy falls. And we see the fall, and it goes all the way to the bottom, and we hear a punk. And then we have a smash cut to a close-up of Blue Demon looking down at the guy who just fell. Now, it's obviously a dummy, Mm -hmm. but the way they edited it, when I watched it the second time, I was like, whoa, it was well edited. There's a thing in editing called cutting on the action. Mm -hmm. To give you an example, if you're going to have someone sitting down you have a long shot and they sit down and you're going to cut to a medium shot. You want to cut in the middle of them sitting down. When you do that, cut seems seamless. The action makes the cut kind of disappear. If they have the person standing up, they sit down and then you cut to them. The cut draws attention to itself. But if you cut on action, then the cut kind of disappears. You don't really notice it as much. When I looked at this frame by frame, when the guy starts to fall in the medium, like the long shot, and they cut to the extreme like, long shot, it was well cut. It looks like the guy's falling. When he actually falls, it's like, okay, he's kind of stiff to be a real person, of course, and it's not a real person. Right. But it was pretty violent. And a lot of times in these days, uh, they wouldn't show the body actually hitting the ground, the dummy actually hitting the ground, but this, <laughs> the dummy actually hits the ground. 
and they have that sound the sound of it hitting the ground yeah. was so i mean i think that put it over the edge for me it's like whoa this is i know it's a dummy the way it falls mm-hmm. i know it's a dummy because it, it is very stiff like you said and they they mm-hmm. add a scream to it and all that but when it hits the ground i mean it's not like a big juicy splat but it's just this kind of thud that you know is final yeah. yeah and then the cut to blue demon and it's like so i i contend that the the, the person who edited this scene knew what he was doing because it, yeah. he knew that i got this fake dummy falling off of this i, I gotta i do i've gotta do a cut on action to convince people that this is the person falling yeah oh yeah and on a first time viewing if you don't know what's happening i think kids most kids would be convinced that that guy fell and be like, it'd be shocking. It's shocking. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> very well done. Uh, there's a craftsmanship level here that I wasn't expecting. It was nice to see. After that, we continue on with the story. We see more of Katia trying to win a heart of Dr. Cater. And there's a little bit of byplay going on there. Another interesting scene. Again, these bad Pete guys. They get so easily distracted. They're, Lieutenant Ray and Martha are sitting there talking, and they've, they've discovered, they're talking about these guys, that these robots, that they, these henchmen that they found, they, they picked up the bodies that uh, Blue Demon left during this fight, and these guys have no brains. It's like, this is getting weirder and more mysterious, but does Martha care? No, man, she wants to make out with Lieutenant Ray's. oh man one track on my come on (laughs) so then we go we're in the hospital they're looking at the bystander's body the bad guys have realized for some reason they have to get rid of the bystander because they don't want him to talk about what what happened and so they send katia who Right after the regular nurse leaves, she jumped right in there. So the regular nurse, there was uh, no way she couldn't see Katia being there. At least say hi to her. <laughs> but she jumps in and kills the guy. And then we go to see what happened to Dr. Jimenez's body, which has been changed into a strange mass with a skull. That was weird. Don't know what that was about. It's weird and a little gruesome. Yeah. A little more gruesome than I, but then you have to remember this is a movie that's showing a bunch of brains. So I guess it wasn't that gruesome, but still wasn't quite expecting it. Folks, I know this sounds crazy, what we're talking about. I know it's, it seems like a stream of consciousness, but that's what this movie is. Now, we've seen it all, really feels like that. All this crazy stuff is happening. The world's in trouble. This bad scientists are doing crazy things to our scientists. But you know what? Blue Demon, he has to make a living. So where do we go now? Back to the ring. Back to the ring. That's right. Now we have a new wrestler wrestling with Blue Demon. Bat Velasquez. This is a Spanish word I struggle with. Okay. Mercilego. I'm going to have to get my wife to help me with this one. (laughs) Just (laughs) say it's bat in Spanish, okay? Okay. It's a hard word to say. Bat in Spanish, Bat Velasquez. Now, he's a real wrestler. He was 58 when this movie was made. And if you look at him, he's wow. like, he looks long in the tooth. You know. But he's, we, you've probably seen him before because he was in all three Aztec mummy movies. Mm-hmm. He later became a screenwriter 
and he wrote a screenplay for a movie, a, Mex a classic Mexican movie called Tlayuacan, Tlayuacan, which is an Aztec word. And this film was nominated for Best Foreign Language Film in 1963 at the Oscars. That was Mexico's contribution, and it was one of the five nominated films. Wow. It's that good. And it was one of the top 100 Mexican movies, uh, a magazine I picked up when I lived in Mexico City in 1993-94. A magazine was released with the top 100 Mexican movies, and I made it kind of my holy grail to find these and seek them out and buy the VHSs and see all these films. And it is a classic and it's nothing. It's surprising to know that this wrestler, uh, is actually in his real life, very smart and a very talented writer as well. And, um, he was a bad guy in the ring and he started wrestling in 1938 um, born in 1910 and started wrestling in 1938, but he was also a writer. So we see another wrestling match, but this time our robot henchwomen <laughs> come and they're going to get Blue Demon and they shoot him. And if you watch it a second time, you'll notice that they shoot him right in the butt. He grabs his butt <laughs> and he's paralyzed. And he falls down, but the match continues. But with his bare hands and just his arm strength, he is able to win the match. I'm telling you, Blue yeah. Demon is a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to the locker room. Match is over. He's won, but he's still paralyzed. But he's getting feel, starting to feel better. And here we get to see Blue Demon act. He actually has... 15 lines so he's really going at it with uh, lieutenant reyes they're trying to figure out what's going to happen we're getting close to the big finale the last 10 minutes of this movie something else <laughs> we're back in the evil lab plan is that they're going to kidnap another doctor but that doctor is actually lieutenant reyes wearing a fake beard we see that kidnapping happening and we see that Martha is following them. She calls Blue Demon, and they get to the lab. Vincent Price has his big scene. He goes <laughs> crazy and almost kills Lieutenant Reyes, big star. They stop him from doing that. And then we see what's the deal with all these scientist brains. The three of them are there, and they start talking to each other. I wait for 100 quat loose. I wager 200 quatlus. <laughs> exactly. It totally feels Gamesters of Triskelion right there. Totally Star Trek. Like, wow. Like, I wonder which came first. I wonder if they had seen that movie because it was very, that episode. Now, this movie came out in 68. So mm -hmm. it's possible. I think that episode would have come out in 1967. So they might have been inspired by that. One or the other. Maybe Star Trek was inspired by Blue Demon. Oh, Who there knows? you go. Yeah. But, sure. <laughs> Just like Stranger Things was inspired by this. Sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we have the brains and they're going through and doing some more techno babble. And then Blue Demon arrives out of nowhere, just as he has been all movie long. All hell breaks loose 
as Martha and Lieutenant Ray is getting the act, Martha pairs off of Katia. Lieutenant Ray is using some of his judo. A fire starts and the place goes up in flames. Those card-wired sets. I was going to say, it's all made out of paper. Got to be careful with them. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. <laughs> and then the very end, spoiler alert, while the lab burns around them, they stand around and talk. Sure. Blue Demon gives the moral to the story, and Blue Demon is declared the incarnation of truth and justice by Lieutenant Reyes. He exits, and flames and smoke all around them. Lieutenant Reyes and Martha look at one another. Yeah. <laughs> yes, folks. I know this is crazy. I know we were jumping all around. But the movie does that. You probably have no idea. You'll have to listen to this again. That's what this movie is all about. That's what this movie does. And we love every minute of it. Oh, man. I was a little concerned when we got into this, when this movie first started. And we're at the airport, and I'm like, come on. (laughs) Let's move on from the airplanes. But, you know, as the movie continues to wash over you, and you just kind of get trapped in its its, uh, its pull, its web of, I don't know even how to describe it. It's just so weird. But you know what? I had a good time watching it. I, I love the absurdity of the brain transplants and using a soldering iron or a hammer and chisel. Or were they trying to put a brain back into somebody's head by just pressing it against his forehead over and over and over again? It just was so... Yes. I felt so bad for the actor. Oh, God. <laughs> well, we can't really open up the guy's skull. We can't afford to have a fake skull opened up. Uh, and we're supposed to make it look like Nothing has happened, so uh, let's just press the brain in the guy's head. And they do it for yes. an uncomfortable, long, uncomfortably long time. And I felt really bad for the actor in question who has to lay there while this cow or sheep brain is being mushed against his forehead. Like, come on, man. yes. <laughs> I hope he got paid extra. Oh. Um, there, there is one flub that I noticed. Like one flub. There is one thing that I caught in this because I, I was watching it. And I thought, okay, Juan's awake because his eyes are moving and he looks like he's looking around. And then they go to the next shot and no, he's still out and they haven't woken him up yet. And I thought mm-hmm. that, that was an odd choice to include that shot. So as awesome as the editing was with the fight up on the tower, that particular editing choice, probably not so good. But, you know. Yeah, so it's like, what is it, a team editing? Did they run out of time? Did they run out of money? Yeah. What's happening? Were, did they uh, start the tower sequence sober and then they had too many tequilas <laughs> by the end? I, I don't know. The editor got his brain swapped out and then... <laughs> <laughs> There's another strange flub in the same sequence. When they show the first show, The Brains, uh-huh. there's two brains in jars and one brain's outside the jar. Yeah. They cut back to the scientists. They're talking to the brains. They cut back to the brains. That third brain has miraculously put himself back into the jar. Oh, I didn't notice so that. <laughs> yeah, so again, this is a, a movie for second, third, fourth viewings to really appreciate all <laughs> the hilarity you'll find. Again, just like, again, I know you don't like the label of so bad it's good, but. Um, mm-hmm. This film does have its charm. It really does. The, the joy of it. It makes me want to seek these out more. The, the first couple times living in Mexico, the first couple of t- chances I had to see 
Mexican wrestling movies. They didn't impress me that much. I didn't get into them. But it really takes sometimes uh, watching the whole thing and, and, and watching it on a second time to really start to appreciate it. And that's what's happening to me. And uh, I have another one for next year, another Blue Demon movie for next year. And uh, hopefully I'll pick up the rest and uh, right on. we'll have a whole decade of Blue Demon movies. Hey, man, you're my Blue Demon guy. You know? And the more <laughs> I watch the Blue Demon movies, the more I'm convinced that I think I like him a lot more than Santo. I, I, I like Santo. Don't get me wrong. But I think Blue Demon, you know, if I had to rank him, Blue Demon's at least my number two. You know, guy, I love Mil Mascaras. I mean, he's my number one. But Blue Demon's right up there, man. His role in this film was interesting. And at, like we said at first, it seemed that it seems to me that we're trying to combine have an actor be co-star with him. And I don't know if it's because, well, he's not doing that well at the acting part of it. Uh star on the ring but maybe his acting isn't going to make it maybe we'll, we'll kind of have a two stories going on yeah. with lieutenant reyes and him but then they did have a scene where he was talking it up with lieutenant reyes but again his appearances in this film particular film are spotty he comes and goes but when he's there he does have a lot of gravitas and his and his you know he does he does come out to be a superhero mm-hmm. I think for the Mexican kids in 1968. Now, this is something I, I just thought about now. 1968 in the United States was a terrible year. So it was also the same thing here in Mexico. How this would fit in where it was before there was like a huge massacre where the government sent soldiers to kill protesting students. They still do not know how many students were killed. They still don't know the details of that. At the same year, they had the Olympics here. I mean, 1968 was a crazy year for Mexico, just as it was for the United States. And in the middle of that comes this movie. <laughs> I don't know how that was taken by the people, but I think the audience was mainly kids. Yeah. And I think at the same time, there's parts of this movie that's not a kid's movie. I mean, two and a half minutes of a go-go dancer. I mean, and it's a one long shot. I mean, it's a long take. It's it's uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, it's... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but do we recommend this movie, Derek? Of course. Of course. Of course. You've got to watch these movies, folks. <laughs> they're, they're so much fun. And, you know, we're talking about how ridiculous some of this stuff is. The thing is, is that the filmmakers play it straight. They're not yucking it up. Blue Demon teleports. Okay. Blue Demon teleports. Nobody makes a big deal out of it at all. This is how we do the brain transplant surgery? Sure. No problem. You know, it, it's played straight, and that makes it even that much more uh, enjoyable for me. It's an immersion in this wacky world of luchador spy-fi, and I love that so much. It's something that I respond to uh, so well. I also just realized that the guy who directed this directed a handful of other monster movies. He directed The Brainiac. So, yes. mm-hmm. you know, he knows he's a genre guy. He knows his stuff. I'm not going to try to pronounce his name, unfortunately. Uh, but if you look at the show notes, I'll make sure that it's listed in there. Chano something or other. But he directed the Brainiac. He directed uh, the Monsters Resurrection, I think is what the translation is. So he did some genre work. He did a lot. His career goes back to the 30s. Yeah, he's very prolific. He did all Mexican genre films, all different types of genre films. Chano Urieta. Chano Urieta. 
He also directed a movie that Dominique and I are going to talk about at some point here on the show called The Witch's Mirror in 1962. So he did non-luchador stuff, and it looks like he did non-genre work as well. He just was a, a solid filmmaker, and if he was the guy responsible for the tower fight sequence and throwing the guy off, I wouldn't be surprised because he knew what he was yeah. doing. Yeah, I think he shows he has, they had ability, they had skill. I think maybe sometimes the budget and maybe the fact that they were pumping these things out. They were lots of movies and they, mm-hmm. it, it was like an industry. It was a job a lot of times. Yeah. yeah. But every once in a while, you'll see little glimpses of talent. You'll see glimpses of care. You'll see glimpses of that. Sometimes you don't see, sometimes it's obvious it's not there. Sometimes it's there. And I think there's a handful of little sections of this film that's like, yeah, this guy cared about that particular scene or that particular shot. Exactly. There was a name that turned up in the credits that caught my attention because it turned up in the opening credits twice. Mario Texas. Do you know anything about this guy? I did it's not a cool look name. him up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I did not look him up. I looked up the main competition for... Uh, but there was a lot of credits. Yeah. I had to go through all those, but they really liked their theme song. They liked those little theme graphics. Yeah. So they had a lot of credits in this movie. <laughs> and there's a lot of, on the box that I have, I mean, they list, it looks like 25 actors. I don't think 25 people had speaking parts, but they're all listed on the credits. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, this Mario Texas guy looks like he was another luchador. He appeared in a handful of these movies. Uh, he appeared in the champions of justice and Santo in the wax museum and a handful of others. And he's just credited as luchador. So I, I don't know much more about, but I love the guy's name, if nothing else. Uh, and I'd like to learn more about him. And that's one of the things that I love about these movies, that they're so weird and so off the wall. They can't help but invite you to do a deep dive into researching and learning more about the people involved. You know, there's just something about these movies that I want to know so much more about. And I know I'll never learn everything I want to know about it because I don't speak Spanish. I don't read Spanish. I'm not in the area. I'm not of the culture. And were these things documented anyway? Like you said earlier, this was just a job. A lot of these movies were just cranked out, you know, assembly, you know, factory style, you know, (laughs) just pump them out, pump them out, pump them out. And like you said, 68 was kind of a volatile year uh, for Mexico as well as the U.S. And what is there anything remaining at this point? Is anybody still alive or still around at this point? I don't know. But, man, I'd love to know so much more about this movie. I really enjoyed it, <laughs> if you can't tell. Yes, there, there's a uh, Mexican actress that she was in uh, Santo and the Vampire Woman. She was in uh, Ship of Fools, uh, Ship of uh, Monsters. Ship of Fools. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ship of Monsters. That's a different movie. That's a different movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she's she is still active. She's still she's in her 80s and she still does telenovelas. And I'm Juan has wanted to bring Juan Ortiz has wanted to bring her to Monster Bash and her name's Lorena Velasquez. Oh yeah. And I have I have hopes of someday meeting her. And one of my questions to her would be, what was your attitude on the set of these movies? Were you guys having fun? Was it just a job? Were you taking it seriously? That's what I'd like to know about the making of these movies, because like uh, Ship of Monsters or a movie like this, I can't imagine them really taking it on the set, you know, between shots and everything and them really taking this really seriously. I wonder if they were having as much fun making the movie as we're having watching them. Yeah, I'd be curious to know. So 
we recommend the film, of course. We've already talked about that, and we've mentioned Juan. Juan Ortiz of Fifth Dimension Films has a lot of these movies that he sells. And conventions right now, a lot of them are getting shut down, so I'm sure Juan's business is not doing as well as it would be as as normally this time last year i'm sure Juan had already hit up a handful of conventions and sold a lot of product but this time around you know there's things getting shut down there's nothing for him to do so i'm going to make sure there's a link in the show notes to his website if you are interested in these types of movies go check out and see what Juan's up to and let him know that kenny and derek sent you his way you know what ever since i started the famous monsters segment i don't think i've missed but there's something that we've missed today Oh, we're not going to... I'm not letting you go. No, we, we got to do it. You know we're doing the Classic Five, sir. The I'm classic not letting you go until we're done. The Classic Five! No, I got my cards out, man. We're, we're doing it. All right. All right, so for listeners who don't know, the Classic Five is a game that we play here on the show with everybody that comes on, at least when I remember. Uh, it's a card game that we play. I've got a deck of cards here. Each one of these cards has a this or that. Which movie do you prefer style question? There are no wrong answers. It's just a way to keep monster kids talking and having a good time thinking about our favorite movies. Kenny, are you ready to play a round of the Classic Five? I'm ready to go. Now, I know you've played this quite a bit, so if we get to a card or a question that you've already answered, feel free to let me know, and we'll move on to another one. All right, here we go. Card number one. Right off the me top. A, you have a lot of faith. You have a lot of faith in my memory. <laughs> <laughs> card number one. If you could have been on set during the production of a classic Universal monster movie, which one would it have been? Classic Universal. I'm going to give you my current favorite Universal film of the monster films, I think it would have been cool to be on the set of Invisible Man because just to be able to see Fulton do the special effects and how they were doing that and just to see that process. And I'd love to meet Lugosi and Karloff and all that, but I think Claude Rains is pretty cool too. And then, of course, you have my favorite universal actress, Una O'Connor. I'm going to say the Invisible Man. I wonder how she was in real life, you know, as, when she wasn't, quote unquote, on. I wonder how she was. Well, I've seen a couple of movies with her, you know, where she's playing pretty straight and she's pretty normal. You know, he's like, oh, yeah, who knows in this movie? Well, she's just being normal. Oh, rats. That's no fun. Bring out a monster so she can start her screaming. Somebody scare her. Somebody sneak up behind her so she shrieks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, card number two. What's your favorite mummy movie? I like the 1959 Hammer mummy movie. The mummy. Fear will freeze you when you face it. The mummy. Born from the darkest tomb of the pharaohs, it rises from the quiet dust of centuries to wreak a strange vengeance against mankind. The mummy. It tears steel bars like paper. It snaps men's spines like matchsticks. It walks through bullets like a ghost. It sees without eyes. It lives without breath. Yet its desires are strangely, madly human. The motion picture screen's most shocking experience in suspense. In Chilling Technicolor. The Mummy. The, the color and atmosphere... The fact that he's like an action mummy, you know, he's not uh, scraping along the scene where he busts into Peter Cushing's den there and, mm, yeah. and just smashes through things. And then Peter Cushing 
puts that spear into him. I mean, that's that to me makes that movie, and there and no other mummy movie has done that. So I like I like that one. Right on. Well, you got Peter Cushing, so you know I'm on board. Card number three. Oh, this is from the Hammer Deck. Speaking of the Hammer Frankenstein film, what is your favorite Peter Cushing Hammer film? Peter Cushing Hammer. You know, the first thing that comes to my mind is like Star Wars and Tales from the Crypt, and those are not my studio. <laughs> yeah, that's not um, Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> why is why is Hammocus coming my life? You know, I really like Horror of Dracula and his portrayal of Van Helsing. That and Brides of Dracula. I know a lot of people like his his Frankenstein, but you know his Frankenstein is kind of evil, and I like Cushing as a good guy. Okay. So I like his Van Helsing. So I'm going to go with Horror Dracula. All right. Well, card number four. This is actually from the new deck that will someday be available. I promise. What classic movie monster would you want to see in a space or science fiction setting? Werewolves in space. <laughs> I love that idea so much. What are they going to do when the moon is always full? And that's the tagline for the movie right there. <laughs> that's it. I yeah. love it. <laughs> Listeners, I wish this was a video podcast because the way we're doing this is Kenny's actually showing me the, he's got his video on his Skype. I don't have my video, but he's got his. And the way he's like, <laughs> just imagine the, the zoom in on his wild eyes. Wow. Werewolves in space. <laughs> I love it. I'm probably driving, driving your audio levels crazy. But. <laughs> oh man. I love it. Oh, that'd be so much fun. All right. Final card. You ready? In your mind, what is an underrated classic vampire film? Underrated. You wish more people had seen. Vampire. I don't know if, that, if this is considered underrated or not, because I've heard, and maybe I think it's because on 51 Down Place, I don't think Scott and Casey like this. I think you do, but I don't think, I don't know if it's considered underrated or not. For me, it was like a Holy Grail movie. And when I finally saw it, I was not disappointed. And it's one of my favorite hammers. And it's Captain Cronus, Vampire Hunter. For dear life, hold on to your blood. Because your blood is their life. Because your nightmare is their reality. They are history's deadliest vampires, creating the panic only one man can stop. Captain Cronus, Vampire Hunter, with death at every doorway. Trembling in every heart. Now, the terror must be challenged. Who lives to destroy the curse? Kill me! Kill me! Who duels to battle the undead? Her youth will pulse through your veins, my darling. Who dares to bleed the bloodthirsty? Yes, you bleed, my lord. At last, horror has met its match. Captain Cronus, Vampire Hunter, from Paramount Pictures, rated R, under 17, not admitted without parent. I would consider it underrated in that because it it didn't have a sequel, because it didn't have a Dracula, it didn't have like a character that draws attention to itself necessarily. And it's like, who's, what's Captain Cronus? What's that? Uh, I can see a lot of the typical common people just like, well, you know, just what is that? You know, but... The atmosphere, the different vampire legends that it brings out that's original and different, new, and the swashbuckling vampire hunter. I mean, that's the coolest thing of all. Yeah. I'm not going to argue with you, man. So if you haven't seen that, seek it out. And it it was hard to see 
Well, I remember when I went to my first Monster Bash, and that was in 2006 or seven, I think. And I went there, and 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 I saw that they people had like VHSs. I mean, DVDs weren't big or out that at that time. And that was like, whoa! I wonder if anyone has Captain Cronus Vampire Hunter because at that time in my life, that was like my holy grail. I wanted to see that because it was not readily available. It was a bootleg version that I picked up, and the first time I watched it was a VHS, and now I have it on DVD, and and I that's a film that I will go back to because it's it's very good, and I feel like I consider it underrated because it's not a Dracula movie, but it's very very good. Like I said, I'm not going to argue with you. I really do like that film. So there you go. Well, that was the classic five, man. I wasn't going to let you go without it. The classic five. We had to get it that's in. That's right. That's right. And listeners, stay tuned. Kenny and I are trying to figure out a way to do some live Classic 5 interaction with you guys and gals via Zoom or some other video messaging service. So stay tuned because we're going to try to figure out how to make that happen because we want to play with you. Yeah, guys, if you're interested, since you're making it official, I'm going to do a post on the Monster Kid Radio Facebook and just see if there's any interest and maybe we'll set something up during this quarantine time so that we can actually talk to people. Yeah. The chatting's fun. I love the uh, watch parties. The chatting's fun, but sometimes I just want to talk to somebody. Totally. Make funny faces in this camera. <laughs> and I can vouch for that because we probably chatted for almost an hour before I actually hit record because it's just something about talking to our fellow, you know, our friends. I'd say fellow monster kids, but I mean, we're all friends, man. And I miss you guys. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the crypt. You are invited on a guided tour of a world of darkness where nightmares become reality. Dead lives. Dead lives in Tales from the Crypt. The Vault of Horror is about to open. You will learn its terrifying secrets. If you dare. Ah! Tales from the Crypt from Cinerama Releasing. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Some material may be unsuitable for pre-teenagers. All his life, he only cared about one thing. Himself. But now, the best hotshot pilot in the galaxy was playing babysitter to an old man, a green kid, two robots, and a princess. Han Solo really had his hands full. Han Solo is back. Star Wars is back. Star Wars. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. can strip your nerves screamingly raw like the diabolical Dr. Z and his doubly diabolical daughter. can you take? Warning, this picture is for people with nerves of steel. Get rid of her right away. 
the sooner the better. I'm leaving here and Nadia's coming too. Too late now. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Monster Kid Radio. I hope you're enjoying your stay. I hope you're enjoying your Lucha de Mayo coverage. This month has just been a blast so far for me. I hope that's translating to you guys and gals as well. Thanks for listening, downloading, sharing posts on Facebook, retweeting tweets, and just letting people know about all the fun that we have here on Monster Kid Radio. It means a lot to know that you guys and gals have my back. If you want to know anything else about Monster Kid Radio, you want to tell your friends about it, send them over to Monster Kid Radio. Net. That's where you're going to find everything you need to know about Monster Kid Radio between episodes. Our contact information is over there. I mentioned that earlier. It's monsterkidradio at gmail.com or our voicemail phone number 503-479-5657. So 503-4795-MKR. We've got links to everything that we've talked about here on the show, the music that we've played, any books that get mentioned, my books available over there, a link to our Tee Public shop if you want to get some Monster Kid Radio merch. Everything's over there, including an announcement about what's coming up on next week's episode of Monster Kid Radio. It's the final week of Lucha de Mayo 2020, and we're going to be talking about the 1964 film Wrestling Women vs. the Aztec Mummy, as chosen by our favorite tongue. I mean, our favorite doctor, well, I can't even say that even, Mark Peterson from Dr. Tongue's I Had That Shop's joining us to talk about wrestling women versus the Aztec mummy. That's coming up next week. We are finally getting to a Luchadora film, talking about some of the lady wrestlers, and it's going to be a fun time. This is an interesting movie. It's got some mummy action, so you know I'm all in. Plus, Lorena Velasquez. We talked about her in this week's episode where she was in this film. She was in the movie that we talked about at the beginning of the month. She's just making the rounds with all these Luchador movies, and I can't wait to get into that episode with you guys and gals. But you got to wait seven days. What you don't have to wait a full week for, though, is Social Distance Saturday. Make sure you join us over at twitch.tv slash monsterkidradio and join the show over there. Like I said, it starts at 11 a.m. Pacific with the pre-show and then at noon-ish Pacific, depending on how long the pre-show goes, the regular movies start with a live chat. I'm going to be there. A number of Monster Kid Radio regulars are going to be there, and hopefully you're going to be there, too. Before wrapping up, kind of like a final thought or final word or, or whatever. I don't really have a name for this, but I do want to stress how important it is to support your local movie theaters and drive-ins if you can during this time. A lot of movie theaters right now are selling movie theater popcorn at the door or just right inside their lobby. It's the only way they can make any money right now because the movie theaters have all been shut down due to what's going on in the world. And if there's a way to support our movie theaters, you know, I'm going to be all about it. I go to the Joy Cinema every Friday night to load up on their movie theater popcorn to get me through the week. I still have a little bit left over, but... I know I'm going to be going back again Friday night to get me some more, especially to enjoy during Social Distance Saturday. And I know the Joy is not the only theater that's doing that. So if there's a way to support your theater, please consider doing that either through buying their popcorn, any merch they might have, like that drive-in down in Fort Collins we talked about a couple weeks ago, gift cards or gift certificates, anything that you can do to help these theaters survive, specifically the independent theaters, because they're the ones that really cater to us monster kids the most. The Joy Cinema has such an amazing Weird Wednesday program every Wednesday to say night they bring in such an odd movie but it's usually something with monsters and it's always something that i love and i know i'm not alone in that if there's a local independent movie theater or drive-in that you'd like to support please feel free to drop me a line or leave a post in the monster kid radio facebook group if we can spread the word and spread the monster love i think it's going to help these theaters get through the current crisis 
And I mentioned drive-ins a couple of times because I know some drive-ins are actually starting to open up. The Fort Collins drive-in that I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I know they were planning to open or they might have even already been open, but now they're getting shut down again. It's kind of a weird time for independent movie exhibitors. And the drive-in movie theater is a really interesting business model that we could see maybe even thrive a little bit once things start to open up. Because of how you see the movies, you're in a confined space, you're in your own car, there's no chance of getting near anybody that you might possibly infect or get infected from. And I know the local drive-in theater here in Oregon, in Newburgh, the 99W, they're planning to open this weekend. Now, they have yet to announce what they're showing, but I'm going to try to find a way to support them because it's a drive-in and we need these drive-ins, man. It's a part of our American pop culture that there's just not enough of around these days anymore. So if there's a local drive-in that you'd like to promote, please, again, get in contact with me or leave a comment in the Facebook group because we'd love to help boost the signal. With that said, remember that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Super Evil in My Boots. That is copyright 2019, The Iberries. Check them out over at iberries.bandcamp.com. Pick up the entire album, Don't Blink. It's less than $15. 12 tracks. They're all really cool, but I really like this one. Let them know that Monster Kid Radio sent you. My name's Terry Kim Cook. I'll talk to everybody next week when we get down with some luchadoras and Dr. Tongue. Ciao. Ciao.